It is your Classic Metal Show right here on theclassicmetalshow.com. That is music from the 2019 release of The Dark Element. That song was called Not Your Monster. That was from Songs the Night Sings. And on the line right now, we have the vocalist of that song um, here to sing us uh, about a new project that she's in, as well as maybe talking a little Dark Element. It is uh, Annette Olson. Annette, how are you? Hi, I'm really good. Thank you for having me on your show. Absolutely. Well, Annette, um, you know, it it seems like you 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 just stay busy. It's it's you know, it's it's one of those things where unlike a lot of bands, a lot of band people your name never seems to go away. It's like you were doing Nightwish, then as soon as you were out of Nightwish, you were doing, you know, Dark Element. You've appeared with a lot of people. Seems like you stay very busy. Well, yeah, there were some years after Nightwish that I was a bit calm, you know. I did my solo album, but Mm -hmm. otherwise there was a bit of a silence. I did some, you know, duets and smaller things. And then uh, The Dark Element, of course, has taken off with two albums and then this Alan Olsen stuff and there would be some more, of course. So, yeah, I try to stay busy at the moment. It's sure. fun. Absolutely. Well, let's let's talk just briefly about The Dark Element for people that haven't discovered it. Um, you know, The Dark Element is one of those projects. I, I think it's like almost like the start of you just tr- getting heavier musically. Not that Nightwish ever wasn't a heavy band, but it really seems like that project, you know, and especially the two records have both gotten heavier as you've gone along. Is that kind of how you're progressing as an artist? Actually, yeah. I I mean, I don't come from the metal scene from the beginning. You know, right. when I started in Nightwish, I was like not at all in the metal scene. I came from more rocky, poppy stuff, you know, mm-hmm. from my background. And then it's been evolving, you know, and I I guess I've been just, feeling that I love the metal scene in many ways and I like the music and I actually like a lot of heavy guitars so I asked Yanni for the first album it was a little bit softer and then we decided in the second I said I want to go even heavier let's let's do it bigger and heavier and he was like yeah for sure so maybe the third album will be even more heavy (laughs) we don't know (laughs) (laughs) no doubt is that is a part of the reason that you that you've gotten heavier musically because you know you you do you've done so many tours and so much touring with metal musicians whether it's you know individual touring or even playing on the big stages like advocate and stuff like that you know you're around metal more does that kind of rub off on you to where you want to make heavier music yeah i mean it's many things of course i also have a fan base within the metal sector Mm -hmm. in a way so um, of course, I believe they want to hear more from me in the metal scene and the rock scene. They like that kind of music. So it's and it's also the requests I get when it comes to these project albums and the songs are mainly from from rock metal scene. And of course, I've been influenced, influenced by all the music I've heard in, as you say, Wacken and Rock and Ring and, you know, mm-hmm. with all the bands. we and, and I do like metal musicians they they are really talented all of them you know it's it's good musicians so and the music is cool and it's fun to be on stage uh in that kind of music so yeah i think it's influenced me a lot sure now now annette uh moving to where we are today 2020 has a new project for you you step into into what has already been a very successful 
collaboration between uh, Russell Allen, obviously known for Symphony X, and uh, Magnus Carlsen. Uh, you know, they they had a they had quite a good working relationship on the um on the Allen Land releases, and then now you're stepping in kind of in the Yorn position, sort of. But mm. but it it doesn't feel the same, you know. I I mean I, I was a big fan of those records, and you're you're you've added like a different energy to it. So talk a little bit about how this came about, and you know, did you know Russell ahead of time? Had you ever talked about working together, or is this a put together thing by the label, or or what? Yeah, this is also a put together thing from Frontiers again, like with the Dark Element, where right. we didn't know each other. I didn't know Magnus. I didn't know Russell. Actually, of course, I've heard both Alan and uh, Alan Lande and, and some of their stuff, and I also have been singing with Jorn in the same stage in Israel, so I know him a bit. Okay. Uh, I have I haven't met uh, Russell personally. But of course, I knew his name and and uh, that he had a great voice. Sure. And Magnus, I I knew when they said his name, of course, that it was Alan Lander. But I had to listen a little bit, you know, from the background of him also. Uh, so it was like a thing Frontiers asked me, and uh, I knew that Alan Lander has been a very popular project, and they are two great singers. Uh, so I was a bit nervous, of course, how those from the fan base of those albums would react to a female mm-hmm. coming in, taking his place since he's a really popular singer. But uh, I believe, as you say, there's a different kind of vibe and feeling when there's a female coming into these songs. Uh, it's a good contrast to Russell's massive voice, you know. Sure. Uh, so I think it's a. I hope the fans will like it and, and feel that it's a cool collaboration. Sure. Now, say, being that you haven't met Russell before, how how do you create music? You know that that works well with with the other person. Do you? Do, is it already written or do you do you have to kind of listen to it like trading mp3s back and forth or how exactly do you put together a project with somebody you've never met but that's the thing with with us like you know a bit professional musicians in in today's world that we i guess if you have done a lot of singing like russell and me both and been singing with others mm-hmm. it's not that difficult it's always of course when you end i, I mean i get the songs uh, kind of in a demo state right. and this time around they had started recording with russell some songs before they kind of knew before magnus knew that i was going to be the singer so the songs were kind of written for i guess maybe for yorn also in the beginning i don't know but so the problem was for me when I got them that I'm a female and mm. he's a male and mm. we, we have different keys that we want to sing in. So uh, I had to adjust some of the melody lines and how that I put the ha- harmony that, I, and that I'm singing higher, you know, uh, taking higher harmony since it's quite low for me if I, I would mm. go in Russell's uh, Ring, melody. Right. Uh, but otherwise, you know, just go to the studio and you try to follow him and you have your melody and then I do the harmonies, follow him, him and then he got some songs where I sang first and he had to follow me. Right. So, <laughs> but it worked. So you can do it that way uh, if you're, you know, if you have been doing music before. Sure. It's not that hard. Mm. Are, are you comfortable 
being in a project that is a true shared vocal project? Because obviously your past, your mm. your hard rock heavy metal past has been primarily with you as the the featured singer. Mm. I don't have any problem. Actually, my first band ever, when I was like 16, I was in this cover band. And uh, there was me and a guy sharing the stage. Okay. And uh, I've also had, in Allison Avenue, we were two, like one male and female. So I don't have any problem with that. I am not that part that needs to, you know, compete with the other singer. Uh, so I think it's no problem at all. And I think it's fun for the listener to hear two different voices there are some songs with only russell there are some with me and there are some together so it will not be like this boring kind of album where they only hear one voice if you think that kind of way so no i i, I think it's fun uh, different and i haven't done it as you say in an album but i enjoyed it a lot sure now when when you were <coughs> you you know I, i'm assuming you go to a studio somewhere somewhere there near you know near home and you do your parts and you send it off and it gets mixed and it gets mastered and you know all the all the knob turning happens and then it gets sent back to you does it sound when when you first heard worlds apart did it sound like what you envisioned in your mind or was it was it greatly different or a little different or how does it come back versus what you thought you submitted I always ask, uh, like with Magnus, I said that I wanted to be quite involved in the okay. mixing process and also in the dark element. And that is a way for me to be able to, to tell if I don't feel happy about my voice or my sound or if it's, you know, if there's something I, I... So you always, when I send the files, I first send them to Magnus and he makes like a raw mix, very raw mix. Okay. Like just put it together for, for the record label and us. And sometimes there I can be like, uh-huh, yeah, I don't know. Hmm. Well, well. And then I tell him something maybe. Maybe you should put the harmonies up or something. So already there I start to be involved in that process. And then uh, he sends it off to our mixing guy, Jacob. And Jacob is a great guy because he always sends me like a first version. And then I, me and Magnus and Russell, of course, say change this, fix that. And then that happens a couple of times, maybe two or three times before we're all very happy about it. But uh, I think actually Jacob, who has mixed both this and the Dark Element, I know he always make me sound perfect and a big sound. And, you know, he knows how I want to be heard. Sure. So, no, I'm, I'm, I feel that I'm actually more happy when I've heard the final mix always than the first mix and <laughs> the first demo, of course. <laughs> right. Definitely. Now, now for you, which song, um, which song or songs came out best on, um, on worlds apart? And why do you think that? Well, I had my favorites that I wanted to have as singles, of course. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I really like Worlds Apart. It was actually the song that I had to go two times to the studio to record just because the first time, it was the first song I, I did record. And at that time, I just sang it like the melody was before I changed it to a higher one. And I wasn't happy about it. So I had to go back and then I changed the melody line. So I'm singing a bit higher and a different melody. And then it felt good. Uh, but actually... I think No Sign of Life is my absolute favorite uh, on the album. And I think it's such a powerful chorus and 
you know, we just scream our lungs out and, you know, it's heavy and cool. And then um, for my solo songs, I think um, um, I'll Never Leave You is kind of different from what I've done in in some aspects. So, yeah, I, I like those too. But you like them all, right? They're all your children. I like them all, of course. They're all my babies, you know. <laughs> you just want everyone to hear them now and just get it out, that album. <laughs> yeah. At, at, at this point, at this point in the process where you're doing kind of, you know, the press and the workup mm. for it, is this the most frustrating time? Because you, I mean, you've, you've had these songs for however long you've had them, but you know, it's that, it's that time where you're starting to talk about it, but yet you can't direct anybody anywhere to go listen to anything but like one song at this point. Yeah. And I mean, it's always that thing when you release the first song, which is very often, like in our case, it's, Mm -hmm. it's the label who decides in the end, which song it will be. And especially if you're like, "Mm, yeah, but that song is maybe not like, it doesn't showcase the whole album because it doesn't. Well, the part is, is not showing the whole album. There are so many songs that are heavier and different. So you're a bit like, oh, I hope they don't, you know, judge the album from the singles. So you want to get the album out so everyone can hear the whole album and then decide if they like it or not. So, and I, I mean, I started recording this album last year in March or February. Right. So it's been like a year for me. <laughs> so <laughs> it's always that, that long waiting sure. to, to get the baby out. Yeah. Is at this point with the business the way it is, and you've obviously been in the business long enough to have seen, you know, basically the complete change in the industry. Mm. Do do you think that there are that there is the same kind of like interest in in a release? Because I'm sure you remember back back in the day, as we say. When, you know, you would, you would be completely excited about a release coming out and you'd camp out at a record store or whatever to, mm. to get it at midnight. And that's gone these days. And, you know, I, I know for me personally, I'm, I'm, I'm old, I'm 51. Mm-hmm. So I, I definitely lived through that era and I, I find myself a lot of times discovering records or releases that are out that I just didn't even know were out anymore because it, it's it doesn't seem like there's that build to a release anymore. Do you see that? And and what do you think of that? Yeah. I mean, I think there's so much music going on in Spotify and Amazon and iTunes and in the internet that the physical release thing that we had like earlier where you went to the store and bought like a cassette Mm -hmm. or, you know, a vinyl. And it was like, you said you were like waiting and waiting. That thing is kind of gone. Mm-hmm. I don't think the youth of today, they watch YouTube. Yeah. So today, in many ways, we don't put so much money in the videos as we did or people did when MTV was the biggest sure. video uh, showcase. But I can see my kids, you know, they watch YouTube. Mm-hmm. They That's where they get their music. YouTube, YouTube, YouTube. Yep. Maybe Spotify, but... I mean, my kids don't own any CD uh, right. records. You don't, you don't have them in your shelf as we had. We had vinyls and everything, like a showcase when people came, oh, should we listen to this one? And you put it out on mm-hmm. your party. So no, I, I think sadly, it's not as it was. But of course, those that are fans, that are your fans, if you're a band, they will always be waiting and really appreciative of, of the release. But 
to the other people that don't know your band. You have to do a lot of promo, I guess, sure. a lot of promotion, and you have to be in Instagram and Facebook and you know everywhere. Mm-hmm. Mm. No, and 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 the 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 sad part is 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 I'll call it the obsession that we had back then, but you know when when we were kids. If, I don't know, a new Motley Crue record or Metallica or whatever it was came out, you you looked at the physical product and you read who was on the record and who mixed it and who mastered it and who, you know, who, who guest vocaled you. You knew all that stuff and it made, I honestly think it's why we don't have as big a bands as we did back then because you've taken a, you've taken a lot of that away. I mean, you know, other than the promotional you know, type of interviews, you, you don't find that out anymore. Most, most kids today, most, I don't even want to say kids. Most people today have no idea other than the, the names that they know are on the record who actually did any of the work on it. Exactly. And I mean, I guess people like us that are a bit older, we may know what the bass player in a band was called mm-hmm. and, and the drummer. And, and there are like these big legends that we still know sure. the names of. And we could like say all of those names. Yeah, that guitar player there and all that, you know. You don't hear the kids, I guess, talk like we did no. and go so deep into it. And like you said, you have to have the physical release actually to see all those names. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, otherwise, it's just like in Spotify, you don't see who the bass player is. You don't see who the drummer is, you know. Sure. So, yeah, it, it is very different. It, it definitely has made, it's almost made music disposable for, to the new generation. I honestly think that's why vinyl is making a comeback. Cause those of us that are a little bit older, we, we miss that day. So we're happy to spend, you know, $25 or $30 for, uh, for an album because we can still get that piece of the music as part of it, you know? Yeah. And the vinyl is coming back. I mean, most releases today have a vinyl mm-hmm. and, uh, I think, I hope also younger kids will appreciate the vinyl, but I mean, they don't know what a, what a vinyl is. Right. <laughs> if you tell, <laughs> tell your kids about it, they're like, what? When I show them my The Dark Elements vinyl, they're like, what? What's that? <laughs> and I have to tell them, well, we did like this, you know, <laughs> we put this to do. And they're like, uh-huh. They don't understand anything. So <laughs> I mean, we're too old, I guess. But I mean, I hope they will. I mean, one thing that I do recognize is actually that my 19-year-old kid, he is uh, listening to a lot of songs that we listened to when I was 20. So it's coming back, you know, because they have it in Spotify and everywhere. And that's kind of fun, but, but still they don't have the, the physical release. Sure. No, no, no CDs or anything. They wouldn't go buy. They wouldn't put money on it. (laughs) I I can tell my son would never go buy a CD. (laughs) Right. Yeah. It's, it's crazy how it has changed where we're in the old days when, when again, when in the old days, when we were kids, you know, you, you couldn't, you know, you'd go out and cut your neighbor's grass to make the $8 to go buy the CD (laughs) or the cassette that was coming out at the time, you know? (laughs) Yeah, but you did. It was so important. And I remember I had these mixed tapes called Mr. Music here in Sweden, Mm -hmm. where you like, you got once a month or something, a mixed cassette tape with all the new songs mm-hmm. that were in. It's like a Spotify list, but in a, in a cassette tape. Sure. And I was like waiting and waiting every month for that cassette to arrive to my mailbox. <laughs> and it was such a nice thing, you know, but now, now they have like a Spotify list. Sure. <laughs> so, 
Yeah, no. And I, I mean, I I don't buy albums, so I shouldn't say anything. I don't buy any albums anymore. I quit for for many oh, years yeah. ago. I yeah. I use Spotify. So I shouldn't sit here and say like I'm I'm better than no one because I'm also a, a person in the modern sphere today. Yeah. But Spotify is a good thing, of course. It's it's good for every, everyone can listen. But sure. still, of course, those days were kind of it was better for the musicians, so to say. Right. Yeah. You know, the interesting thing in that is that while it's easier to get music, it's harder to find new music and you know like you just said you would get a cassette um we had a similar thing here in the states it was called the concrete corner and the mm. the record stores all had this little table in the in the corner and there was a there was a company called concrete marketing and mm. they would just release a cassette once a month would, would have i don't know six or seven songs on it and it was always bands that you know were not popular at the time it was never you know, Megadeth or whatever. It was always bands mm. like Last Crack or, you know, bands that mm. nobody had heard of at the time. And I I can tell you for a fact that I have probably a hundred CDs on in my collection that I found from these cassettes the same way where it was, I would have never heard them otherwise. I would never, if it was in today's market, I would have almost never heard of them because while they'd all be on Spotify, there was nobody directing me to find it. You know, it's it's just different. Yeah, and that's also a thing because if you have a record label that are a bit bigger mm-hmm. and that that has a good connection with Spotify and it's that Spotify that they add your song to a playlist, playlist right? like kick-ass metal or something, mm-hmm. that's really important also because that's where people can find a new band. But if you don't have a record label, if, you're, if you release your own music, or then it's quite hard to get into those lists. And that's where you don't get to be heard from fans that haven't heard you before. Mm-hmm. So you have to have kind of that backup from a record label who can help you to put your songs in in spotify no question well mm-hmm. annette here here's a song that's hitting a lot of spotify playlists right now i figured we would end with the single from alan olson the the song is worlds apart so why don't you tell us a little bit of a, a little a little bit about this song to wrap the interview up well this is a very energetic song in a way it's like um the song is how I interpret it. It's Magnus' song, of course, but I see it as it's a female and a male. I say that uh, who are so far apart and they cannot like meet. It's it can be distance. Uh, I symbolize it with that Russell lives in America and I live in Sweden. Sure, <laughs> <laughs> but you know we're so far away, and it can be a relationship where we can't meet because we just doesn't we don't talk the same language we're like not on the same planet right uh it's a melodic uh up-tempo song that are really catchy in the chorus all right well let's check it out right now it is alan olsen it is worlds apart right here on your classic metal show (laughs) 